the black rocks and revolution. Samurai punk feminist solution. White noise, your audio pollution. This is not a test. Calling all your slaves to the ground. Coming out your grace for the mind. Had eyes, but still you are blind. This is not a test. Right here, are you over there? <clears throat> this episode is with Fred McGee. Known Fred since the early 90s. It's an interesting episode. He gets into running music and healing. Sort of has a perspective looking back on his life growing up in Bracebridge, Ontario. And uh, we'll go back to some old stories from uh, working at McPaster University. If you have uh, children that are having mental disabilities, it might be an interesting one for you, looking at music and being a parent and healing. All right, let's get into it. Fred McGee, here we go. What, uh, when do you think, like, I, I only got to know you in the 90s, but when did music start for you, for real, for you in your life? For real, like when I got serious about it. Well, I guess where you you know you go, wow, this is impactful on my life. Like it's it's definitely because I know you. You're always writing. You're always thinking about songs and melodies ever since I've known you. So I'm yeah. assuming that that started probably early, or there was some kind of connection there. Yeah. Well, music was for me like in school. I played the saxophone. Okay. And so, um, I got pretty good at that in terms of almost an alternative style um there was a lot of people who would in school anyway learn kind of traditional jazz and classical but i was able to improvise on the saxophone really in and that was the feedback i got they're like wow where did you come up with that line because never heard anybody but what i it was really when i started to play guitar and sing mm -hmm. that's when it really started to open up because I could play really simple, simple songs on the guitar. I didn't even have to be that good. I still yep. am not that great. Simple songs, and I could sing. And as soon as I started to sing, um, that's when I think the possibilities really opened up. So okay. I think I could, yeah. So was that during high school, or was that before high school? That was high school. I was a you know a lot of people learned in school. You that's where you picked up strumming, singing. That sort of came together quickly. It's not something you really practiced. That'd be true. Yeah, yeah. I didn't practice. I just naturally picked it up and was able to play uh, the guitar. I was accompanying myself really, so. That was the great thing about it. I didn't have to play with a lot of other musicians like I did in a band. I could just strum and sing. Okay, so like, I remember meeting you at Mac in 92, I think it was. Were you just out of high school then? Yeah. Okay, so you're about like five or six. You're like, you're in your late 40s then. No, I'm older than that now. Because I, I, I didn't go back to school to much later, back to Mac to much later in my life. Um, uh, so I, I was, my first year, I was in 25 when I started at Mac. No, yeah, 25. Oh, uh, well, I went to Mac for a year, and then I took some time off, too. So I actually went to Mac for the first time in 89. And then I oh. took some time off yeah. school. 
Um, I played in bands during that time, was writing songs during that time, and then I decided to come back to McMaster. So, did you come back in like 92 or 91? Um, it would have been 91. Okay, so I think I met you in 92. Uh, so, uh, this, this, um, this episode we're going to talk about music and healing, right? Like that's the right. choice you said. So, uh, what is it about music and healing like's important to you? Why does it? What does it come? I'm gonna add Alan here, but um, how does that work for you? Like in terms of Fred and his life and music and healing. Um. Well, I always connect the idea of healing to the process of of story of story storytelling and mm -hmm. then in terms of the songwriting to actually writing the story and there's something about that process to me it's all about process okay the process of writing the story that that uh, includes talking with other people mm -hmm. reading yeah self like self-reflection yeah hearing other people's stories right that whole thing as a process helps um me understand other perspectives and it's in that process of developing the story and then telling the story mm -hmm. that i think that there's a lot of healing for me and in the case of music and art it creates a possibility for healing for other people as they either experience the music or experience the story or or think about the story. Well, I, because I know your catalog, well, I need a catalog from the 90s, I guess. Uh, I think that's the, the thing with your music is, um, is the stories, yeah, for sure. I think that's what really cuts through uh, in the stuff that you do. Um, I forget. I, I don't remember all the songs because there's so so many of them. Um, uh, hey, Al, can you hear us? Hey, yeah, can you hear me? Where are you at the church? Yep. You logged in from three different places. I've never seen that before. And is where with Fred. Oh, maybe. We're with Fred McGee, and we're just okay. getting into uh, songwriting and stories. Hearing about stories is a reflection or, or in, a, in a way for healing. Um, Amen. Uh, so, um, you think that coming from, because I think you, could, you grew up in a small town in Bracebridge, right? Was there anything yeah. about that that sort of? So everybody knows Bracebridge is north, is like in the Muskokas. It's like the hub to Muskoka, in Ontario, mm -hmm. Canada, uh, about two hours north of Kitchener. Uh, is there anything that was going on in that time? You know, that growing up there that would have anything to do sort of where you are today in music and healing at all? Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, tons of things. One one thing some of the things that were going on were the experiences of other people mm -hmm. um, that I was sort of witness to 
um, some of it. We've talked about this this song, um, uh, "Vote for Orb." Yeah. Um, when I was a teenager and seeing um, a guy in my high school, Orb, um, who uh, was older than me but ran for students council president, and I was um, as a child, I was very naive and sheltered in a way. Um, and you know, to see a guy who looked like um, hung out in the smoking area a lot, and um, oh. you know, was kind of coming from a part of life that I was never exposed to, whether he was just um, uh, rough and tough in a way, but uh, you know, he he took this approach to running for students council president that I that in the con- contrasted with at the time a lot of the preppy people who made these really fancy bristol board posters and he came along with a piece of scrap lined paper and just wrote in black magic marker hey man vote for orb and put that on the wall and so the the learning for me was oh my gosh like here's a guy and he was hugely popular hugely the school went crazy for him in the face of um you know, the, like I said, the contrast of how other people approached it with, mm. with fanciness. So the learning, it was a big learning for me and a turning point that I saw that um, here's a guy that you might, I don't know what you'd call him, but an underdog or someone that you'd least expect. And yet he was inspiring to me mm. so much so that I, it changed my perspective on life i think it healed me in a way from being sort of so sheltered and i grew up i grew up realizing that other people my judgments or my biases or my assumptions that were spinning around in my head they spin around in everybody's head but it helped to really undo some of those assumptions about people and orb that's why orb continues to be an inspiration so the back. So there's that. Go yeah. ahead. Sorry. Well, that was one example that I know you know about that story already. But there's other things that I really learned from, and that was some of the struggles that my friends were having. They were having some really serious struggles, um, and I was able to write songs about that as I saw it from my perspective. Okay, so that would. Didn't learn. So you started these stories. I'll have muted you just for now. Just make sure you, you make sure you control your muting. Just so you know, because I don't know where you are, but it's a bit, there's some background coming through. But anyway, uh, okay. So that's so. So this idea of looking at people's lives, being sheltered, seeing uh, orb. So this this sort of stories and writing started in high school. Then do you think? Yes, um, I was. The, the songs actually, in some cases, were reflective in the sense that I was writing them after the fact. Um, I wasn't writing some of those songs. I was writing some songs as a teenager, right? But the real storytelling ones were ones that I was a bit older. That I realized I was able to look back and go, "Oh, what happened to me there?" and write songs. Um, based on things that had happened in the past okay so it's a lot harder a lot harder to write about things that just are you're in the middle of it right 
I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm not. I, don't, I write bits and pieces of songs, but I don't write songs. Right? You know, I jump in and write different things, but I don't really consider. I'm not really a writer, but um, but sort of the ideas of healing and sort of understanding, getting unglued from being um, sheltered started in Bracebridge and started when you're teenagers. It didn't start when you're teen. Or sorry, be preteen. It started in your teens in high school, where that perception started, and then. From there, I grew into writing those stories that turn into healing points for you. Whether the I remember you wrote a song for me once, uh, but I don't know where that came from. But I just I remember that Brad, I wrote this song for you. I was like, oh, <laughs> I forget where we were. I was pretty taken back. But um, so uh, when did you like like I, I I guess I didn't know into the '90s. So when did you start writing songs that sort of took people's attention? Well, I'm glad to hear that people are giving my songs attention. That's nice. <laughs> I think, well, after I finished university, I, I made sort of a conscious decision to pursue yeah. uh, songwriting. And so probably after that, that um, they, the songs had more purpose and more focus because I was much more intentionally writing, uh, not just stream of consciousness stuff, but intentionally writing to share uh, songs with a wider audience. So I, the care and attention that I would put into some of the words were reflective of the purpose then. Now, I, you know, now I want to make a record or make us at the time it was CDs. So, um, yeah, that, that happened after that, uh, that decision that I made. This is something that I want to do my whole life. Okay, so I would have been involved with that then, because I was around then for sure. So not knowing yeah. it, that I was sort of there when you were starting that journey. You were there. Well, yeah. when we saw, do you remember when we worked for um, all those concerts and we were carrying other bands' amps in and setting up their mics and then loading it all out in the middle of the night? Yeah. We, we did all that night after night after night, mm -hmm. and... I was the Canadian music scene then was incredible. Yeah, it's true. There was like people would come out to all the shows at McMaster and around the community. Like you know, the downstairs John had shows throughout the year. All that, yeah. There was what's yeah. the names were big, big too. Fifty four forty were in their stride then. Uh, yeah, there was all it's all Canadian content heavy for sure. Heavy. 5440 spirit of the west moist yep. the the doughboys all the um, doughboys yeah the, uh, do you remember the uh the rainbow <laughs> the rainbow butt monkeys as they were called then <laughs> yeah because i i remember i remember talking they changed to, their name yeah they they were just before they changed to uh to finger 11 i remember deb had booked them on like an opener of an opener, right? And they were just kids for Burlington, right? And they, they came out and did that song around in circles, right? <laughs> I remember one time, Al, you got anything to say here before we continue on with another story here? No, no, yeah. I mean, I've loaded out amps and done all the middle of the night stuff. I think I've heard that before. And I, I've written some songs too, and some stream of consciousness and some intentional. So, hmm. nope. Carry on. These are your stories right now, and you and I got stories too, buddy. Yeah. So one of the shows me and Fred did over the river it was 
they built the stage into the into the into a hill, and it was we were loading in the afternoon. It was an avid tribute act. Me and Fred, I think, were on it. And the you couldn't you couldn't bring it you couldn't bring the trucks right into the stage. They had to put it on a, like a a golf cart with a cage around the back. I don't remember. I don't really remember, but they. The, we brought it in, and the the guy hit the hill in the wrong angle, and all the drums fell out and rolled down to the front of the stage. <laughs> <laughs> all the drums, they're all in ro- they're all just single cases, right? So they're like little wheels, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, thank God the band wasn't there. It was the production manager, and he lost his mind, right? But uh, I just remember it vividly because. Uh, it was a rental kit, so they probably were. They had been his original kit. Oh, they were from Australia. That's right. They were an Australian band. They were called. I forget the name. It was Bjorn, they took one Bjorn of the again? Huh? Was it Bjorn again? Bjorn again. That's it. And uh, all the drums rolled out of the front of the stage, and, uh, and the, the production manager lost his mind. But at the same time, they weren't in their drums, so it sort of it sort of calmed down. But it could have been a disaster. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so you love the stories about gear. When gear goes <laughs> wrong, that's what really you love that. Yeah. <laughs> when I the don't... amp, do you remember in the Moist show when the Marshall amp fell right over? <laughs> oh, yeah. Or the uh, was that show where the guy, one of the stage guys that was in the pit with us, jumped, thought that there was no the the singer was grabbing the guitar player, I think. That something. was the same time, yeah. Yeah, the same time, and the, and the guy jumped out of the pit and thought somebody was on stage trying to wrestle the guitar player, but it was the singer. So he wrestled the singer to the ground, and the show came to a halt. <laughs> I'll never forget that, that beautiful two Marshall song. amp and speaker, the whole thing just... Because it, it got pulled on the cord, because he tackled the one guy. He tackled guy. the guy that... Yeah, because it fell forward, I think. On top Fell of that, forward. and so the show came to an absolute. I mean, it was sold out. Was that the? Because uh, Moist was huge back then. They're a huge yeah. band. Uh, the song yeah. Silver was out, and uh, and there's a there must be a thousand people in the room because it was one of the uh, one of the the, the, the you know the uh, the gymnasium right. Yeah. And the show came it came to a halt, and it was silent for like a minute or so while people collected their thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I remember we used to do um, we used to do demos at the cottage. Yes, you remember that? We used to take the cottage and turn it into a studio for the weekend. Do you remember those? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> we Anyways. loaded in all this gear. You had a truck and a trailer and all. Like, you, I don't know where you got it all, but you loaded it all in the little cottage. <laughs> oh yeah, it was a great place to record. Yeah, um, I, you know, it was really, really great environment. Um, anyways, we want to continue on with music and writing and healings or other stuff you want to add that that sort of came out of it in your life. Could be positive, could be negative. Um. Well, one of the struggles of writing stories is the choice between being sort of literal uh-huh. like you can write a story that's so literal like this happened and this and happened and this happened so I, as i was thinking about this conversation i was thinking about what is the storyline um you know and do you write a storyline but the, as an artist you can 
you can play with that. Um, and maybe you both know about this. Like you can play with your storyline and, and mix it up. It doesn't even have to be that literal. I mentioned earlier that, you know, I would often write stories thinking back on things. And yeah. when I was younger, I would think back and then I'm like, oh, okay, I did learn a lot from that situation. So what do I want to write about? What do I care? What do I care about? Well, what do I care about? Yeah. I can what do I that. care about? Because huh. I learned something. Right. Anyway, now I think because I'm older and I have just some more experience, I can actually pick up on things a lot quicker. Like for example, it, um, this past April, I wrote a song about some struggle, some struggles that are happening right now and they continue to happen. And so I was able to kind of quickly reflect on it and write a little song about it with, with more, um, more imagery of the story as opposed to, you know, something that's literal. Okay. Again. And, yeah. Yeah. And I like that for the audience that they can then, they're not, they're not expected to just understand one perspective of the story that I'm telling because it's more imagery. They can come at it with whatever they want to interpret it as or something that's meaningful for them. And I do like that about songs. Uh, I, I'm going to ask you about this question because I don't know what it means, but as a as a parent, right, and having children and music and healing, can you talk about that? Because I don't, it's out out of my range. But can you talk a bit about that? Maybe there's other parents out there, or writers that have kids that maybe could identify with things that you do as a writer yeah. and healing. I um um both my kids have struggled with mental health issues and some fairly serious. Um, um, uh, well, an eating disorder, anorexia, which is also related. Well, it is a mental health issue. Yeah. So, as a parent, gosh, when you step through something that you know, anorexia is the is it's got the highest death rate of any mental health issue. So, when you have a child that's going through that, and your heart is broken, you're scared you're doing everything that you possibly can to save this kid's life. Um, your whole world gets turned upside down. Things that you did, you know, last week, suddenly you don't do those anymore. Um, that kind of thing, you know, as you're going through it, um, the, again, there's sort of all these things that you're, that we're talking about to think about what's my experience. And more importantly, what's been, what's the experience of other people? What's mm -hmm. the experience of the child, in this case, my child, going through this? To consider all those things is hard work. Um, so for a parent going through, whether it's a mental health issue or any issue, it's hard work to reflect back. It's critical thinking. It's it's slow thinking. Mm -hmm. But out of that is that's the investment that a parent can put into saying, okay, what's the story here? Or maybe there's multiple stories. Um, so I did write a song. <laughs> I did write a song about that. It it's recorded. It hasn't been released yet, but um, it's it should be released probably in the fall. Wow, uh, Alan, can you sort of, you know, you have two boys. 
you sort of reflect as a writer yourself? Maybe you can uh, add to this as a father and as a writer. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, uh, my my oldest, uh, he he, uh, he he had some battles. Uh, I pull, I actually pulled him out of high school against everybody's wishes, but he's he's doing great now. And everything that, uh, that that the counselors and everything said came true. It's like when the lights will come on and and his brain gets adjusted, uh, he's come through and he's he's a great community, uh, you know, a participant and uh, he's doing really well. He's actually just going to University of Waterloo this year, so he's done really well. But but it was there was some difficult waters to walk through and you reflect and it's like what did I do wrong and or what did I not see and all the rest of it. But mm. parents, parents weigh that, or you know, wear that, and uh, but you know, we really, you know, we, we really are victims too, um, and uh, but we walk through it together, and that's the thing, that's the strength of parents, and you know, we we, we fumble around in the dark with them until we find out where we're going, and uh, but I haven't wrote, I've never written a song about my kids, I've written many songs about other things, but that's interesting. Yeah, never written, never written a song for my own kids. My my son, who I'm talking about, has written many songs himself, uh, and he's become a, quite a successful artist. So, um, but yeah, no, that's interesting. You you seem to be Fred. You seem to be somebody that um, really thinks. I like I like critical thinkers. I'm a critical thinker myself, and and not everyone is a critical thinker, and and we need more critical thinkers today. So it, it's it's good to hear you, you sit, stop, see, observe, and reason, uh, and then reflect and look back. And and so uh, we need more people like you and, and, and today. So it's nice to hear that. It, um, Thanks, Alan. Yeah, some of the songs, because I've listened to Fred's songs, are really uh, introspective um, melodies that melodies that kind of pop hits that they're kind of a, a strange mix of, of elements together for sure um also just uh i think you're talking about ben right tim uh, al and yeah. um i remember listening to exalt's albums right as they came out and ben was a principal writer in the band i think right yeah that's correct that's correct and uh the depth of his 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 writing and thoughts and stuff are incredible I mean that's sort of my sort of the tip I took notice of, right? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, there's this funny thing because I've been involved with music a lot, a lot of my life. Is this is there's this funny crossroads area where uh, pain and sort of retrospect and stuff when you mix those together, like really good music comes out of it that other surprising enough that other people can connect with it's a really odd it's a really odd thing you know sometimes when i look back and i go oh that's really odd right you would think the opposite but it's not it's the people that have to go through the pain that the, and then write it that we most relate to a lot of the time does anybody want to reflect on that well um I agree. I think pain is a topic that people write about a lot, and it's also a great motivation for reflecting. But the challenge is, what's the story about the pain? Uh -huh. For healing to happen, uh -huh. I'm not sure that um, a song or a piece of art 
that's just about pain in and of itself. Um, I don't know if that's the whole thing. Um, uh, it's I think it's the journey. I think it's the journey. It's it's not a yeah because there's lots of pain, but you know what you know. I think yeah, as you reflect, and as as we it's and it's a depth. Some of us have the capacity to go deep with it, and then we can reflect it back, and it helps other people understand. I think so. Yeah. Makes me think about all the songs about breakups and love, and you know that's just so commonplace. Um, but that's why it's so hard. I think it's hard for people to write a song, a love song, because what's new, unless it's, um, you know, they've got some kind of new learning for themselves in it. But uh... that's maybe why love songs are the most popular on the radio or whatever media. They're always sitting at the top of the charts. They're never like other songs come through, you know, like dance songs and stuff. But the love songs are always the ones that sit at the top they're always coming up to the surface all the time around the clock right and and i think that they're both they're both i think they're both extremes right it's really joyful and at the same time it's not and you know and those love songs always straddle those two extremes um that's just an observation to have about uh you know like sort of what's going around in pop pop music um you know the uh the other thing i think about is uh this is kind of it's kind of on the same topic but uh a lot of really successful metal bands that are probably the biggest draw of people around the world are angst angst young men love metal bands because it gets their angst out right like they can identify with it and they're and they're uh, and young angst men are highly loyal they never leave once they get on a metal band they're loyal to them to till they're gone <laughs> just so everybody knows <laughs> uh if you guys want to chime in on that let me know Well, we had a theater at one time that was uh, sort of the the, the uh, center of the universe for hardcore metal, and uh, yeah, there were certainly faithful people that showed up, and nobody got killed. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, yeah, no, I mean, there was a strange loyalty there, and there was also a, a therapy at these shows. I mean, I kids agree. would go and work it out, and and nobody got hurt. And, nobody got and, hurt, and the band, the band seemed to lead them through this therapy. I yep. mean, I, I thought it was amazing. I thought it was amazing. You know, Al, I never thought of it that way. Just looking back on it now, when we watched all the heavy shows. Even the parents would come out, but the kids were. But when the kids left, everything was cool. They just took it out on the floor. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They're bouncing off good. each other. You're thinking to myself, "Oh boy, this could go bad," right? Yeah. But in the end, it doesn't. Right. No, whatever they were wrestling with, they brought it and they left it at the altar, if you will, which was the pit. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. No, I, I'm serious. It, it, it was like yeah. watching, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, a church service or something in the in the in the theater. It, yeah. it was really cool. It was really cool. It was, and it was the same thing: show in and show out. Uh, nobody got hurt, and and people worked out their issues, and and the bands were the bands took it seriously, and and so did the uh, the fans. It was it was something else. I think that's. Uh... In a way, that's another healing thing that I didn't ever, I never recognized before until now. We talked about it, huh? Uh, 
they're coming. Yeah, I really love I love the idea of live music as healing, and it absolutely is. That's people love it. That's amazing. They get something huge out of it. Yeah. Um. Uh, me, musicians have a great responsibility too. Uh, you know, when artists are performing, yeah, it's not just it's not just about them. You know, having a release of this art, it's you're also responsible for what you're leading people into. Hmm. So, Fred, uh, we got less than five minutes. Or anything you want to wrap up with? It's important. You want to explain here before we head out? Yeah, there was one thing that that I wanted to touch on, uh -huh. and that is. Um, through the I talked about music and writing and now we're talking about live shows all as a process to that can that can lead towards healing but um, one thing that I've learned is the importance of the detail hmm. uh, the to to stay superficial um, would be a worry of mine for any songwriter or any concert i want to get the nuances in there um, um yeah so the, just the importance of the the detail the de you know the devil's in the detail but the divine is in the detail uh, you you really want to get people to be thinking through things so that again they can benefit from it and if it stays on the surface level then I would worry about that. So, and that's just a reflection of mine as I was prepping for this. Um, you know, what gives us the depth of a song that can actually be meaningful for people? And it's the detail, I think. I don't know what you what you think about that. But. The, I, I picked up on a word there, the divine and the detail. I never heard that one before. The divine is in the detail. Well, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, you know that phrase, the de what was it? The devil's in the detail or something like that, but you can flip that and flip say the it. divine is in the detail. Flip it. Wow. Anything, anything uh, there, Al, before we head out? Somehow it's just not as it seems. Oh, well, there you go. All right. That was great, uh, Fred. I'm glad I got to interview on this, you know, in a different way. I mean, we could have could have talked it through but we got it captured here on a podcast it's awesome yeah it was awesome i'm actually thinking that i'm i'm more confident now just from what you said alan about the, the responsibility of the live of the artists and i'm feeling a bit more confident in thinking about live shows so thank well, there you, you go you're in, you're empowered <laughs> yeah yeah thanks for that all right guys I'm gonna, we're going to head out, so thank you again. Um, we'll be up soon. See you. All right, that wraps up Fred McGee. Near the end here, he talks about divinity and the details of music. <laughs> and uh, we appreciate him being on the podcast and talking a little bit deeper in about his children and music and their story and started piecing it all together through music and healing. So thank you, Fred. We're on to the next one.